0: With the 13th pick in the NFL Draft,
1: the Philadelphia Eagles select.
2: You're listening to the Journey to the
3: Draft podcast, presented by AAA.
1: Every athlete has a journey. Focus on the game. Let us worry about getting you there. Auto repair, roadside assistance, and auto insurance. Start your journey at AAA.com. Ladies and gentlemen, what a bombshell way to start. This episode of the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA, I'm Chris McPherson, joined alongside Fran Duffy and Alex Smith. And yes, the Eagles have made the trade with the Cleveland Browns to move up to the number two overall selection in this year's draft. The Eagles, quite honestly, they gave up a good amount of picks, Mm -hmm. but they didn't really sacrifice the future. They kept a third round pick for this year. They still have seven picks total, including two in the fifth round, one in the sixth, and then two picks in the seventh round. And sure, next year they give away a first-round pick, but if the Eagles are able to secure the franchise-altering player that they think that they will get at number two, it will certainly be worth the cost. When you look at this trade, the Eagles
0: traded up into the top two to select their quarterback of the future, and they still have seven picks in this draft, and they have eight picks next year. You you can't be upset by that. I mean, the the fact that they were able to spread the picks out, uh, it really helps to, and Howie Roseman talked about in his press conference, it allows you to plan ahead so they can either try and work back into the second round, you know, overcompensate in free agency the year before, really try and work, work around it. But the fact that you were able to space the picks out, uh, and move up to the top two of the draft, make sure you get one of these two quarterbacks that you like. And we both have talked about, or all three of us have talked about, both of these quarterbacks and their skill sets over the course of the last few months. It's a, I mean, just an awesome, awesome job by Howie Roseman and Doug Peterson and the entire front office.
1: No question. The Eagles have been on the record saying they believe both Jared Goff and Carson Wentz are franchise quarterbacks. Howie Roseman seemed to indicate on Wednesday that they know who the Rams are going to take at number one, meaning that they know who they're going to get, even though no names were mentioned. At the same time, Howie did say that the Eagles would be comfortable with either one coming to them. And number two, I also thought it was interesting that Howie mentioned how they looked into future quarterback classes mm-hmm. and said that, look, it's not a bright future at the quarterback position. They felt that they rarely get a chance to pick in the top ten, take the opportunity, move up, get the deal done, and get their guy now.
2: Yeah, and, and I actually believe Hallie when he says that, you know, we are not we wouldn't have made this trade unless we're comfortable with both, but they know who the Rams are taking. The Rams know who they're taking. The Eagles know who the Rams are taking. Uh, you know, teams never want to tip their hat, even though in this situation, I, I don't think anything's going to change. The teams know who they're going to take. So um, the Eagles know who their guy is going to be. The Rams know who they're going to be. And – Like you just said, c this is the opportunity they had to take. Once they got to number eight, they said, hey, we're we're in the top ten. And I think they were comfortable being in that spot. But then they looked around. They did the research from the past few years. They looked ahead to the next few years of the draft and really the NFL free agency market at quarterback, and they said, this is our shot. This is our chance to move up. And I'm fired up about it. I'm really pumped. I, I've been I've been hot on guys like Carson Wentz throughout the draft process. So uh, you know, reports out there that Jared Goff may be the guy for the Rams. If that's the case, Carson Wentz would follow the Eagles. I would be very very happy about that. Alex,
1: you should be excited because next Thursday night, yes, you will be in Chicago for Eagles yes. Draft Central show. Fran and myself will be here in Philadelphia at the Novacare Complex, anchoring the coverage here along with Dave Spadaro, Mel Reese, Greg Cosell. Ross Tucker, so we have a star-studded, jam-packed show for everyone, and it's just that much sweeter now that the Eagles have the number two pick. So, who are the Eagles going to select at number one? Our Mr. Relevant this week, Draft Insider, Tony Pauline. We brought him here to Philadelphia. We recorded this conversation on Tuesday. It's a rapid-fire format. We went for about 40 minutes on all of the big names, the big storylines, everything That if you're an Eagles fan, draft Nick, whatever, you're going to want to know about the 2016 NFL draft. We went through it all with Tony, and we started at the very top of the draft with who the Rams are going to select at number one. We're going to get into it starting off with questions about the top of the draft. Okay, the Los Angeles Rams moved up to number one. Tony, is it for quarterback Carson Wentz or Jared Goff? And the follow-up will be, where does the second quarterback
3: go? I think it's going to be Goff for a couple of reasons. Uh, Goff has got great accuracy. Pinpoint accuracy adds a California flavor to a team that's moving back to California. So I think it makes a lot of sense. Also, Goff is the better warm-weather quarterback. So I I think it makes sense there. Where does Carson Wentz go? I think he's going to go top four, whether that's to the Dallas Cowboys, whether that's to a team like the New York Jets or the Philadelphia Eagles, who trade up to get Carson Wentz. I think he will be off the board by number four.
2: What about Paxton Lynch as a follow-up to that? Uh, How far does he slide?
3: It depends on, you know, it's all relative. I never thought Paxton Lynch was a top-ten pick to begin with. I still don't. So I could see him, you know, somewhere between selections uh, 11 to 15, whether it's a team in that area or a team that trades up to get him.
0: All right, so... The other player that everyone has been talking about for the Eagles, Ezekiel Elliott. Gun to your head. Fake gun to your head. What a gun to your head. Uh,
3: Where does Ezekiel Elliott go right now? If the Giants don't uh, make a trade and move down, I think he goes to the Giants to pick number 10.
1: Interesting. All right, let's get into some of the medical rechecks. Miles Jack, what's his status going to the draft?
3: You know, the thing about medical rechecks is it's different for every team. One team will look at it and say, hey, this is fine. Another team will look at it and say, we wouldn't touch this guy with a 10-foot pole. Before his pro day, I was told that the problem with Miles Jack is his meniscus was basically torn from his knee, which poses a big problem for some teams. Other teams think it's okay. I mean, this is not a torn meniscus. If you've ever had a torn meniscus, this is something that's detached from his, his uh, from, from the joint uh, I I I think he'll be okay. I still think he's going to be a top six selection. And
2: what about Jalen Smith? Kind of the same thing.
3: Yeah, forget about that. I you know, I hate to say that, but just go back to what I said. You know, uh, on the with you guys at the combine during uh, our films is you know Jalen Smith uh, at the combine. I never expected him to be anything other than a last day pick. The fact is, is you don't know when he returns, what type of player he's going to return because of the severity of the injury plus the position he plays. It's not an offensive line position. It's something where he needs his explosion to move in every direction. So, you know, like I said, we talked about it. When he did his weigh-ins, I mean, he struggled getting up the stairs to the platform. It's, you hate to say it, but it's not a good situation. I don't know why everyone's surprised by this, that he's not going to play in 2016, that he may never be the same player. I mean, from what I was hearing and reporting at the combine, it's all, it's all basically coming out now.
0: Just just awful to hear that about John Smith. Um, Moving on, another player in the top ten that you actually broke some news about a couple weeks ago was Jalen Ramsey. You, had, you said that he was at the top of the Dallas Cowboys board, that they would be willing even to trade up for him. Is that still the case? They were just rumored to be working out Jared Goff. Would they be in the Jared Goff sweepstakes as well?
3: Well, basically that was a reiteration of what I said at the beginning of February, that Ramsey was on top of the Cowboys board. The other thing I said during, in that article was that they also Carson Wentz is their quarterback that they would like. I have a feeling that... You know, if Ramsey's there, that's their guy. If he's available to them, I don't think they'll trade up for him. Uh, Otherwise, it'll be Wentz. It's basically 1-2 right now, from what I hear with the Cowboys, Ramsey and Carson Wentz, not so much Jerry Goff, unless Jerry Jones has had a change of heart in the past uh, 48 hours.
1: The Eagles sit currently at number eight. Is there someone who could be selected in the top seven who would be a wild card that is away from the consensus norm that could drop someone down to the Eagles? I don't
3: see it. I mean, uh, you know, I, I just, I just don't see it. I think the seven, the top seven players are pretty much locked in, uh, and there's basically, you could basically say the top ten players are locked in. So I, I doubt it.
2: So, do any of those players towards the top? Do any of them slide? Joey Boza, DeForest Buckner, even Laramie Tunsil. I mean, he was the number one pick before the Rams traded up. So, do any of those guys slide down to number eight?
3: Yeah, Tunsil may slide from one to two, but that's about it. I mean, the guy to watch is Boza. As I talked to uh, my cohort here, Fran Duffy, uh, basically back at the senior bowl, there were a lot of off the field questions about Joey Boza. Uh, which I think will come to fruition in the next couple of weeks. As I was told back in January, the more teams dig into Bose's character and his past, the less they're going to like him and the more he's going to fall down. And there's also an opinion out there, I don't agree with it, that you know he's more opportunistic. I remember somebody telling me, go back to the Michigan State tape he never lined up once against Jack Conklin. I watched the first half of the game. He, never, he in fact, never lined up against Jack Conklin. He was always on the other side of the field. So some people think that maybe the reputation does not, or the hype does not meet the reality with Joey Bosa. If, if there's a guy that's going to slide, I think that's it.
0: Is Ronnie Stanley a top-ten pick when it's all said and done?
3: I believe so uh, because he plays, he plays the tackle position. The tackle position is always a priority on draft day. So I think it's basically going to be very close between he and Jack Conklin as to uh, which guy's going to be drafted first. But I think Stanley, I hate hate this to annoy Eagle fans, but if the Giants stay at that 10th slot, I think, uh, or if they trade out of that 10th slot and they say uh, the the Tennessee Titans want to move back into the top 10, as they said, the Tennessee Titans want a tackle. uh, Something I said on uh, PhiladelphiaEagles.com on Sunday. I think that... uh, Both Stanley and Conklin find their way into the top ten.
1: Great start there, Tony. Before we go position by position in the 2016 NFL Draft, the Eagles Spotlight Forum offers fans an exclusive behind-the-scenes look at life in the NFL from the perspective of Eagles players Brandon Graham, Chris Maragos, and Jordan Hicks. Join us for a full breakdown of football topics focusing on the NFL Draft experience. The Spotlight Forum will be held at Lincoln Financial Field on April 30th and you'll have a chance to receive a commemorative poster as well as autographs from the player from the players in attendance. For more information, check out PhiladelphiaEagles.com slash Spotlight Forum. All right, going back to the quarterbacks. Tony, where does Connor Cook stand in all of this?
3: I guess it depends on who you talk to. I mean, I'm hearing that Connor Cook could be a late first-round pick. I just don't see it. Forget about the things that I've reported, you know, that about his leadership uh, questions, the fact that I heard uh, in interviews he was kind of flippant and cavalier. The tape just does not really show a first-round quarterback. He's got terrific physical skills, but his passes are all, all over the place. He's going to lead a lot of work. I just think, it. you know, where is he going to end up? I have him right, right, right now, excuse me, ranked as a second-round pick. I think that's where he goes.
2: How about another guy kind of in that same vein, Christian Hackenberg? A lot of reports about his relationship with James Franklin. Uh, any truth to those stories, and where does Hackenberg fit in the mix? All I know
3: is that not, not too many of the players at Penn State have a good relationship with Coach James Franklin. I mean, he's not they just don't, don't like him. I mean, you go Christian Hackenberg, you can talk about the Kyle Carter, the tight end. You go back last year to Donovan Smith, who was an early second-round pick, who said he was leaving because he didn't like the coach. Uh, I don't think it, it matters because, you know, first of all, Christian Hackenberg, he's got great physical skills. He's got the pocket stature. He throws some beautiful passes. But sometimes, you know, it's, he's not on the same page as his receivers. The receiver's running a go route. He's, running, he's throwing an out route, and you wonder where the ball's going. He's, he's not very accurate. Basically, I look at Hackenberg as a maybe second, third-round choice that's a ball of clay. A change of scenery is going to do him good, but you're going to have to ba- basically work with him from the ground up.
0: Tony, we're going to ask you this for pretty much every position we cover. Uh, you know, Kevin Hogan, Jeff Driscoll, Jacoby Brissett, Cardell Jones, Dak Prescott, a lot of really talented quarterbacks in this class in day three. Who's next off the board for you? Any big surprises that fans maybe aren't expecting that could go earlier than people are saying?
3: The next one off the board for me is Cardell Jones. I love his upside. I think wow. that it basically it was a square peg round hole type of situation at Ohio State, which is why he struggled last year. The offense was not built for him. Uh, but, you know, the surprise could be Kevin Hogan, because a lot of teams really like him, including your, uh, your Philadelphia Eagles and the Buffalo Bills, I know, really like him a lot. So Hogan could be a surprise second-day pick. I grade him as a fifth-rounder. I don't know that he's ever going to turn into a starter, but he could be the surprise uh, quarterback.
1: Going to the running backs, we can all say that we think Ezekiel Elliott will be the first running back off the board. Who will be the second, Tony? Will it be Derek Henry, C.J. Proceis, Kenny Dixon? Who do you think it's going to be?
3: I think it's going to be Derrick Henry. On my board, it's Kenneth Dixon. I think Dixon is more of a well-rounded. I think you could use him in a a variety of systems. Uh, It could be Derrick Henry. My problem with Henry is is he's basically one-dimensional. He's best between the tackles. He's best running downhill. He's an average pass catcher out of the backfield. You, You can't really use him to turn the perimeter, turn the corner. You can do that with Kenneth Dixon. So I think it's going to be Henry. I wouldn't be surprised if it's Dixon, though. That's my guy. Which round for the second round? Second round. So the, the Ezekiel will be the only first-round running back. I think you could have a couple of them around too.
2: two. Uh, how about Jonathan Williams from Arkansas? He's got that foot injury. Does that cause him to slide, or will he still find himself in that day-two mix?
3: The foot injury plus the fact that you've got a glut of pretty solid running backs in that second, third-round area, I think, pushes Williams into the third day of the draft.
0: A lot of people are talking about Jordan Howard from Indiana. I know uh, Ike Taylor had him going eighth overall <laughs> to the Eagles in his mock draft a couple weeks ago oh, well. uh, on NFL.com. Uh, you see him all over the place. Yeah. Where where do you think he ends up going?
3: Eighth overall was in, it was an eighth pick of the third day, was it?
0: <laughs> no, it was Listen, not. Listen,
3: I I don't I, Howard is a terrific college back, but he's a downhill runner. He's not a creative ball carrier. He's a big back that runs with an up, upright style, which means he's going to get a lot of going to get a lot of hits. Not really fast. Not an outstanding pass catcher of the backfield. I think it all adds up to a uh, third-day pick. I think fifth round for Jordan Howard. I am not a fan.
1: Okay, rounding out the running backs here, Tony, looking at players like Paul Perkins, Devontae Booker, Kelvin Taylor, Alex Collins. Who of those will be the next one selected, and any surprises among those, or maybe someone who I didn't mention?
3: Someone you didn't mention, Tyler Irvin of San Jose State. Okay. A little bit small, but very explosive. Multi-purpose back. Runs hard on the inside, although he's not an every-down interior runner. Has the speed and agility to turn the corner. Terrific pass catcher out of the backfield. Outstanding return specialist. I think Tyler Irvin, because of his versatility, because of his playmaking skill, because of his attitude, is going to be a surprise second-day pick.
2: Uh, Moving right along here, we're up to the wide receiver position now. Uh, Tony, who's the first wide receiver to come off the board? We've heard names like Corey Coleman. Laquan Treadwell was the guy for a while. Uh, it seems like Josh Doxson and Will Fuller's stock is starting to rise a little bit. Who's the first wide receiver off the board?
3: i said Trevor all along. I'm not going to move from that just because the guy didn't run a good 40-time. But the fact is no one expected him to run a good 40-time. He's not a vertical receiver. He's a game-controlling, uh, game-controlling possession receiver that should be an outstanding red zone target and use him on third down. No one expected him to run the 4-4s. Four he plays best in a four six five. 6 he, He's a big dominant receiver. And what does the NFL want these days? They want six foot uh, cornerbacks, and you beat six foot cornerbacks with six foot five receiver or six foot two receivers, and guys like Treadwell.
0: Uh, Alex didn't mention Tyler Boyd, who's one of my favorite receivers in this draft class. All over the board with him too. You know, some people think he could fall at the beginning of day three, some high as late round one. Somewhere in the middle, what do you think of Tyler Boyd? Where is he going to end up
3: going? I have him as a third-round pick. He's not really big, he's not really fast, but he's a terrific pass catcher. And you can't, you know, he finds ways to separate. He's also a smart player, finds the openings in the defense. Uh, Doesn't have the great physical skills, but he's just a good football player. I think third-round for him.
1: What's what's the highest you think he can go?
3: Uh, Highest, I think, is maybe late, late second round.
1: Interesting. Okay. Okay, Braxton Miller made a conversion from quarterback to wide receiver.
3: How will it pay off for him on draft day? I think he could go top 45. Uh, he's got great athleticism. He's fast. He had a great senior bowl a week, had a good combine, had a, ran tremendously at his pro day. All the elements are there. It's just a matter of getting him into constant game day experience uh, at the receiver position. Did a solid job at Ohio State. Did not really do all that well during the senior bowl game, but I think it's just a matter of experience, him playing in big spots at the receiver position. I would say early to mid-second round.
2: How about uh, kind of the next tier of guys, some of the athletic receivers that didn't really test well at the combine? Guys like farrow Cooper, Rashad Higgins, DeRunyon Wilson. Uh, what's the report on those guys?
3: Basically, Farrell Cooper could go third round primarily because of his return skills. DeRunyon Wilson may not get drafted. It may be a situation where he's going to have to put 10 to 15 pounds on his body and turn into a move tight end. Yeah. Rashad Higgins, you know, I've watched him since he's a sophomore. I like him as a college player. Someone has to explain to me how a guy who's under 200 pounds runs, un- barely runs under four, six. is not a natural pass catcher, he's going to go into the third round. I got Rashard Higgins as a mid-third day pick right now, fifth, sixth round. I don't see Richard Higgins, uh, he's a nice receiver, I don't see him as anything more than a fourth or fifth receiver at the next level.
0: Very interesting. All right, well, let's take it now to the, to the receiver position, but some other issues there. You know, you've got some guys with some off-field issues, but super talented. Demarcus Robinson, I know you said, has first-round talent. I, I tend to agree. I, I think he's a really talented, dynamic receiving option. Leonte Carew from Rutgers, very similar skill set, had some off-the-field issues. What are the
3: stock reports on those two guys? Yeah, Carew's off-the-field issues were kind of taken care of. Uh, I don't think that's going to be a problem. DeMarcus Robinson, you know, we know what they were in the past. We may know more next week about him. And the fact is, is I expected it. An Olympian-type workout from at the Combine didn't get it. Uh, I think Robinson is one of those guys. A team could take him in the third round. A team could take him in the fifth round. Or he could go undrafted. It only takes one team. It's all over the board. So I can't uh, say anything definitively. You know, if everything pans out, I would say I would take him in the fourth or fifth round, but there's a chance he can go undrafted.
1: Tony, you're on top of one of the biggest stories in the draft, and that's German wide receiver Moritz Boehringer. Where will he end up being selected on draft weekend?
3: I think he could go as early as the fourth round. When you look at the receiver class, there's not a whole lot of size, speed element in this year's, in this year's crop. Uh, bollinger has got that. He's big, six four in chains, two hundred and twenty five pounds. He's fast, he ran in the four threes. He also caught the ball well. It's not it's more than just a good athlete on the football field. It's a guy that's shown himself to be able to play a receiver, have the receiving skills to play in the NFL. Obviously, he's got to learn to run the NFL route tree. He's got to do those sorts of things. But I could see a team taking him in the uh, fourth-round area.
0: You think that even though he didn't play a down of college football, you think he could go that high?
3: How many guys don't play, you know, we sat out last year. We were talking about Jonathan Williams. I mean, Jonathan Williams didn't play last year because of the foot injury. I mean, and he would have been the backup running back at Arkansas had he played And we're talking about him, about potentially in the third round. But I I think he's got those physical skills. You know, you look at the receiver class this year, it's not that great. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up in the fourth round.
2: All right, let's move on to the tight ends here. Uh, Hunter Henry, is he a guy who could sneak into round one?
3: I would be surprised. I mean, he's a good down-the-field, move move tight end prospect. But I think with the depth at the offensive tackle position, with the depth at the defensive tackle position, it's going to be a reach for him to go in the round one.
2: Uh, How about Tyler Higby?
3: Big problem. I mean, he could go undrafted. Uh, Obviously, there's going to be a a lot more investigation into the uh, alleged assault that uh, he was involved in, what actually happened there. You know, you go back to last year, Lael Collins. Granted, it was a different sort of situation with Lael Collins, but Lael Collins was never charged with anything and he fell out of the draft. You know, Tyler Higbee comes off the, uh, the knee injury. He's an undersized sort of moved tight end guy. Now he's got this pending, uh, lit, uh, this pending charge over his head. I think he could fall out of the draft completely.
0: Alright, so you brought up Hunter Henry. Who's next off the board? You've Nick, Nick Finette, Thomas Duarte, Austin Hooper. Are there any surprises too in this tight end class?
3: Well, I, I mean, I think after Hunter Henry, it's going to be Austin Hooper. Uh, some people think Hooper's better than Henry, but I think the surprise or the early pick that would surprise people is going to be Jeroe Adams of uh, South Carolina, former basketball player. He was known as a tremendous athlete, was relatively highly rated coming into his senior season, showed consistent improvement in his game. Uh, the fact is he's 6'5 and change, he runs well, he had a good senior ball, had a good pro day, so I think the fact that he's a player on the upswing, he's got those physical skills, plus it's a very thin tight end class, means that Adams could fit into that third-round area or maybe the fourth round, which I don't think too many people expected.
1: All right, let's transition to the offensive line. So we figure Laramie Tunsell and Ronnie Stanley will go in the top ten Where does Jack Conklin go?
3: I think Conklin could go top ten. I I don't think he gets past the 12th pick, but I wouldn't He
1: could be in the top ten as well.
3: Yeah, I mean, offensive tackles go early in the draft. It's a priority position. Offensive tackle, cornerback, defensive tackle, quarterback. And, you know, you you look at Tunzel, you look at Stanley, you look at Conklin, they're all very good. you got some other good tackles, but there's a bit of a drop off after those guys. How many will go in round one? I'm going to say, besides Conklin, definitely Jason Spriggs, definitely Taylor Decker. So those five. The, uh, the sleepers, I think, the, to be round one guy, uh, the sleeper I think would be Jermaine Ifedi of Texas A&M. Right tackle, maybe a guard, maybe a left tackle, but I think when you get in that uh, late round, the guy that guy that's athletic uh, basically could potentially slide into the late part of the frame.
2: So you mentioned that tackle's a priority position. Uh, what about the interior of the offensive line? Specifically at center, Ryan Kelly. Uh, does he slip into that first round mix?
3: I think it's going to be a reach. I, I, I think you could justify Ryan Kelly. Uh, being a first-round pick. But again, I go back to the fact that it's such a rich class at the defensive tackle position and the offensive tackle position. Some other areas are going to get pushed down so teams could go uh, take Ryan Kelly the top of round two. You also got Nick Martin there, who's a good player, and Graham Glasgow, who we all saw at the uh, Shrine game in the Senior Bowl, basically blow it up, who's moved obviously not in the first-round area but probably in that third-round area.
0: Really talented interior offensive line group, Tony, and two of the names other than Ryan Kelly that a lot of people are talking about, Josh Garnett, Cody Whitehair. Do you think either player slips into round one, and then as a follow-up, is there any chance that either of them are available in round three for when the Eagles come back on the board?
3: I would be shocked if Whitehair is a first-round pick, and Garnett's going to be a first-round pick. I think that I've got Whitehair graded as a late second-rounder. I've got Garnett as a late second-rounder, early third-rounder, so Eagle fans, cross your fingers, maybe Garnett falls to the third round. Maybe a reach, though. Maybe it may be tough for him to fall that far.
1: Who are some other possible options for the Eagles along the offensive line in that third round as we stand here today? Who else do you think? You mentioned Glasgow already. Who else could be in the mix there? Yeah, obviously,
3: uh, Christian Westerman of uh, of Arizona State's a guy I think that uh, should be there. It, it would be solid uh, value in the third round, big, strong uh, guard. If you're looking for versatile players, Joe Haig of North Dakota State as well as Celeb Benyard Benyar of uh, UCLA, guys who play uh, tackle in college, Uh, can project to uh, either right tackle or left tackle, can also play guard. I've got them in that third-round area. So I think those are two guys that I think could help uh, with the versatility that could help the Eagles significantly.
2: Uh, Tony, could you give us a a name of a guy who maybe not a lot of people are talking about at this point, but you could see being drafted pretty early on in the draft?
3: At the offensive line position? Yes. Alex Lewis of Nebraska, Uh, 6'6", 312 pounds, very athletic, Uh, came from Colorado, had a problem in Colorado uh, where he unfortunately punched a kid from the Air Force in the head, spent, I believe, 40 days in jail. But he's very athletic. He's got good size. He's got uh, a lot of upside. Uh, Again, can play multiple positions. If you get him, you know, in that uh, he's a guy who I think most people have as a fifth, sixth rounder right now, I think he'd go in the fourth frame.
0: Tony, it's pretty much consensus that DeForest Buckner is going to be the first interior defensive lineman off the board who, who's second in your mind? Is it Sheldon Rankins? Uh, is it Robert Camdiche? Is it A'shaun Robinson? Is there a surprise there? Who's number two off your board?
3: I would say it's uh, definitely A'shaun Robinson. I think he's a good athlete. I think he's a space eater. I think he's a guy who can occupy the gaps. He can also make plays on the ball. Um, so I think he's going to be a top uh, 15 selection uh, and will be the second uh second defensive tackle, defensive lineman of that, of that ilk off the board.
1: So, Tony, when I was going through the list of the players who are attending the draft okay. in Chicago, I wanted to say New York City almost for a second, but again, in Chicago for the second straight year, two of the names stood out to me, Vernon Butler and Chris Jones. Were you surprised that they, are, they were invited to Chicago, and how high do you think they're going to be going?
3: I am, but there's a backstory to that. And the backstory to that is, is last year it didn't go too well in Chicago for the players to the point where agents told the NFL that move the draft back to New York or we're not bringing our players. So I I think that the strategy this year for the NFL was basically to invite everybody because they didn't have a lot of guys show up last year. So if they invited everybody, the law of large numbers are you're going to get potentially more guys there. There's going to be uh, fewer empty spots. I think if the draft was in New York, I don't know that Vernon Butler or Chris Jones would be invited. But because of Chicago and they have to attract guys there, they've invited a lot more players to uh to chicago this year
1: so they're going to be day two picks then they're not going to be first round selections then Uh,
3: maybe late first round i mean there are a lot of people who don't like vernon butler don't feel he made enough plays chris jones is a guy when he's on his game and you know he's hitting on all cylinders he can be a playmaker but he disappears for stretches you know i got chris jones as a third round pick uh some people talked about him late first round i think second round area is probably good good spot for him
2: How about looking at the Alabama defensive line? Mm -hmm. Sean Robinson, Jaron Reed. Which one of those two guys gets
3: drafted first? I think it's going to be Sean Robinson. I think Jaron Reed Reed is going to go in the first round. I hear the Chicago Bears really like him a lot. But I think Robinson is just one of those guys. He's so big. He's so powerful. He can do so many things well. It's tough to overlook him. Now, you know, that said, you know, there is a bus factor in those guys that come out of Alabama. Uh, on the, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Some of them play very well. Some of them never meet expectations, so you've you got to approach that with some caution.
0: Tony, have you seen or heard of any reports of the Eagles showing any interest in any of these mid- late-round defensive tackles? I know you tweeted a couple weeks ago about Javon Hargrave, who we saw from South Carolina State down at the Shrine game and then also at the Senior Bowl. Uh, any other defensive tackle types you've, you've seen the Eagles show interest in?
3: I have not heard it. I, I don't think it's really a, a huge area of need for them compared to other spots and the fact that they only have you know, limited selections in those first three rounds or, as you say, the first two rounds. Uh, I, I've not heard that except for Hargrave.
1: All right, let's go to the edge rusher position. We know Joey Bosa should be the first one off the board here. Who will be number two? Is it Kevin Dodd? Is it Leonard Floyd? Emmanuel Ogba, Shaq Lawson? Noah Spence, who do you think will be number two?
3: I think it's going to be one of the Clemson guys. I think uh, Lawson could go second, but I think it's justifiable that Kevin Dodd is the second, That's sort of second player off the board that you mentioned because he's just got great upside. He's bigger. He's as athletic. Uh, he's a guy who's going to get stronger in time. Um, it's going to be one of the two Clemson guys. I'd have to say Shaq Lawson, but I think you could justifiably say Kevin Dodd. I had been reporting since January. But a lot of teams ranked out over Lawson, so we'll have to wait and see.
2: Uh, Tony, how about Sean Oakman, a kid from Philadelphia? Some off-the-field issues going on right now. At this point, does he even have a chance to be drafted?
3: I got it. I mean, you know, not, it's not just some off the field issues; it's some major off the field issues. But the fact is, he was he was an okay player. I mean, he wasn't he was overrated by a lot coming into the year. He's a guy who you know, sort of like uh, some of the other guys I mentioned before. They disappear for stretches. Oakman. he doesn't really seem to work that hard getting off blocks. Also has a kind of a funky NFL body, if you will. He's great from the hips up, but you know he's got these skinny legs, these skinny calves. Doesn't bode well for uh, to be an every down player at the next level.
0: Tony, one of my favorite defensive end, outside linebacker players is, uh, is Shalique Calhoun from yeah. Michigan State. Not really hearing too much about him, but he's kind of flying under the radar. Where do you think he gets slotted in this draft?
3: Natural pass rusher, I think he's a third-round guy. I think the reason that uh, you see he's flying under the radar is, you know, teams are concerned where he's going to play at the next level. He's 255 pounds. He's, he, naturally, he's under 260 pounds, runs in the 4'8". He's a good football player. He's not an athlete, but he can rush the passer, which I think uh, adds up to third round, maybe late second, but I'd say third round right now.
1: Carl Nassib was a tremendous story in college football in 2015, led the nation in sacks, came onto the scene, Where will he be selected?
3: Yeah, I mean, he's all over the board. Uh, He could get into the third round. Not only had a good senior season, had a tremendous combine. He's a guy who scored well on the one lick. He's a smart athlete who may just be, as we we call him, a late late bloomer, a guy who's just developing late in his career. Uh, I could see any as early as the third round. I could also see the fifth round because a lot of people think that production was based off the fact that they had such a – Good interior uh, on the Penn State uh, defensive line, guys like Austin Johnson, who attracted a lot of attention, which put Nassib on the island out by himself, and he was able to exploit the situation.
2: And to round out the pass rushers group here, uh, Tony, who, who are some guys who might be flying under the radar at that spot?
3: Well, you got to look at uh, well, you got to look at m- one of my favorite guys, uh, Camila Correa of. Uh, uh, of uh, Boise State. He's a guy who could go in the uh, first round. I would, would be slightly surprised uh, if he does, but there's some talk about him, about uh, Korea going in the first round. The other guy is Bronson Cafusi of uh, BYU. Here's a guy who, when he entered the season, was basically graded as someone who wouldn't even get out of May camp. Uh, He's grown into his body. He's been put in a position at defensive end where he was able to flourish. Uh, Kafusi. some people have said late first round for Kafusi. I don't think so. I think it's more like second round, and he's going to have a very good NFL career in a four-man front.
0: Tony, you know one of my favorite players is Alabama's Reggie Ragland. Uh, Where is he going to get drafted at this point? And does he go ahead of a guy like Daron Lee, obviously more athletic, uh, did much better at the Combine, but – uh, where do you see Reggie Ragland go in this
3: draft? I think the earliest he goes is Green Bay, in round one. They need an inside linebacker. I think the difference between uh, he and Lee, uh, Lee is more athletic. He's also more, more versatile. It covers a lot more area. You know, Ragland is what he is. He's a very good two down defender who can play in zone coverage when on um, passing downs. Problem is, at six one and a half, he's going to be overmatched in coverage by the six foot four uh, but six foot four tight ends.
1: So you have who go first? You have Lee or Ragland.
3: I have Lee going first before Ragland. I gotcha. think Lee's going to go mid first round. Ragland a few picks later. Gotcha.
1: Deion Jones, LSU, great coverage linebacker, a little bit undersized, but you know fits the prototype of the new NFL linebacker. Where will he be selected?
3: Maybe he slides into the third round area. He's got size limitations, but you know he's a guy. You can use him as a pursuit linebacker. You can put him on the outside, maybe inside linebacker in a 3-4, let him run to, the, uh, run to the ball carrier coming off a great year, which no one expected, had some good workouts. I see him more as a fourth rounder. I could see him going in the third round.
2: Tyler Matikevich is a local player from Temple, uh, a lot of local interest, of course, here. Another one of those undersized linebackers. Uh, what's his draft stock right now?
3: He's going to be a last-day pick, uh, probably around the fifth-round area. He reminds me of another kid that came out of the East by the name of Stephen Boyd a uh, long time ago, right, right around 1990-ish, if you will, uh, a guy who just, he's an adequate athlete, but he's just very intellectual and makes a lot of plays with his head.
1: Was that the first year you covered the draft?
3: <laughs> I still had hair back then.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I would have never thought in a million years we're going to be talking about Stephen you Boyd. <laughs> All right, so give, remember where you heard that. Give us a name of a player that is going to go much earlier than expected in this linebacker group. Stephen Boyd excluded. Yeah. Okay. Well,
3: <laughs> I, I, you know, I hope I don't fumble over his name. But Yannick Yannick in, Geekway help me out here. In, Ingekwe, right, right of Maryland. I think he's a guy who could slide into the third round. Very athletic, performed much better at the combine. Ran faster at the combine than people expected. Good pass rusher. Primarily lined up in a three-point stance out of Maryland, so he's going to have to make. Uh, he's going to have to learn to make plays moving in reverse. But he's the guy who I think uh, uh, could go much earlier than people expected. As can Stephen Weatherly of Vanderbilt, another guy, uh, 267 pounds, runs into four sixes, plays sideline to sideline, shows the ability to develop into a three-down defender. I think both of those guys could end up as uh as uh, third round picks
1: let's go to the defensive backs tony vernon hargraves is he going to be the second corner off the board after jalen ran you are you shaking your head at me
3: well you know i mean there's a i'm hearing a lot of chatter about off the field issues with vernon hargraves uh i'm sure we'll find out in a week or so what the actual truth is uh is he the second cornerback? Uh, I like Mackenzie Alexander, who I'm also hearing some off the field the issues about. Really, get into uh, because I think Alexander is more versatile. I think Hargraves is a terrific bump and run cover corner. I think he struggles in zone. He's not really good backed off the line of scrimmage. Where I think Mackenzie Alexander uh, can basically play in any any. He can play in bump and run. He can play in zone. He can play backed off the line of scrimmage. They both have similar size, similar speed. Targraves, will find out in a week or so if, if what I'm hearing is true. Mackenzie Alexander, you know, interesting story. During Clemson Pro Day, I heard there were a lot of people who were very upset who felt that he pulled himself out of that national championship game uh, and he could have played with that bad hamstring, uh, which left a, a bad taste in people's mouths. Now, I kind of blew that off and said, you know, it's just sour grapes. I heard it again last week from an NFL insider, which means it's making its rounds uh, through the scouting circles. Uh, people I talked to said, you know, he was legitimately hurt. But if Mackenzie Alexander really takes a big uh, draft day slide, remember that story.
2: So, if there are off field issues with Hargraves, Mackenzie Alexander, what does that do for guys like Eli Apple, William Jackson? They're kind of that, that next tier. What does it do for those
3: guys? Yeah, I think Eli Apple's a, a sh- pretty much a sure first wa- uh, first round pick. I rem- he reminds me of sort of Bradley Roby in the sense that. You know Bradley Roby came, entered the draft off a bad season but was still a first-round selection. Eli Apple, sort of the similar, similar type of situation where last year he was not as good as he was his first two years at Ohio State, but he's still a terrific cover uh, corner, which I think adds up to round one. He's got good size. Some people question his instincts, but he can cover. William Jackson, I'm not as high on William Jackson as other people. I think he's a very good cornerback. I don't think he's first-round talent. I slot him into the early part of round two.
0: I agree with uh, with Jackson. Um, all right, another corner I love, Xavier Howard. Uh, kid from Baylor, yeah. got good size, good ball skills, a little bit inconsistent. A lot of people, the stock seems to be all over the place. Some people think he could be as high as the second corner in this draft. Others see him as more as a day three pick. What are, your, what are you hearing right now on Howard? Yeah, I
3: like Howard too because I think when I watch the film, he stands out. He doesn't have a lot of mental lapses. He's always making plays on the ball. He's got good ball skills. The problem is he didn't run well at the combine. So you question his speed, his ability to cover down the field. I think he's a legitimate third-round choice. Uh, I think anything in the third day, he is great value. Last year, the
1: Eagles moved up in the second round to select Eric Rowe, a player who is very similar in stature and playing style and even playing background career-wise, is Sean Davis from Maryland. Will he be a second-round pick like Rowe? I'd be
3: shocked. I mean, Rowe was much more explosive, much quicker than Sean Davis. Uh, He was much more decisive. Uh, you know, Roe was talked about as a potential late first-round pick. I, I struggle to see Sean Davis as a top 75 selection.
2: And to round out the cornerback position, Tony, uh, who's kind of the wild card in the mix who, who could go earlier than a lot of people think?
3: I think Zach Sanchez of Oklahoma. Ran much better at his pro day than people expected. Doesn't have great size, but he's got good ball skills and has been a consistent player on the college field. I could see Sanchez maybe sliding in that third-round area.
0: Tony, I don't know if you if you count whether or not you count Jalen Ramsey as a as a corner or safety, after you get past Jalen Ramsey. Who's the first safety off the board? Is it a guy like Keanu Neal? Is it Carl Joseph even with the knee? Jalen Mills is Sua Cravens, I know is a guy that you're hearing a lot of good things about. Who's the first safety off the board?
3: Well, I said back in August that I thought Keanu Neal was one of the most underrated players in college football. When people were you know, falling over themselves about Vernon Hargraves, I liked Neal, and I think he's going to be the first safety taken. He could go late first round. There's, I know, one team that's very interested in him. He's a complete safety, did struggle with, I believe, hamstring injuries last year, so he wasn't on top of his game. He's got better size than Joseph. He, he's more versatile than Cravens against the pass and Mills to me is a one-dimensional downhill safety. I, I think Neal can play in zone. I think he's a guy that won't be a liability if you line him up over the slot receiver. So uh, as a result, you know, Joseph doesn't have great size. Joseph is under five foot ten. He's a very good player. He's very opportunistic. He's under five foot ten, comes off that knee injury. I think I thought all along it's gonna be Neal. The two of you just mentioned Cravens, is he being viewed by NFL teams as a safety? Half and fifty-fifty from what I hear. Fifty percent of them like him as an outside linebacker. A lot, of, uh, 50% of them like him as a safety. I'm hearing the Baltimore Ravens like him a lot. They're not going to take him, obviously, early in round one. But if they could move down and get some extra selections, they will consider him in the bottom half of round one if they move down that far. All right.
1: You go for it, Alex.
2: Uh, how about Jeremy Cash and J. Ron Curse? Uh kind of that next group? Where do where those guys fit into the mix?
3: I think Cash could be a third-round pick, uh, a guy who – was sort of out of position this year. They used him more up in the box than as r- versus a true safety, but he's got the skills. He's also a very good special teamer. And J. Ron Kirst, I, I, I mean, I just don't see it with him. I mean, I've always had him ranked as a fifth, sixth-round uh, player. I think that's where he's going to go. He may be the type of guy. He, he's basically a scheme-specific player. you got to play him in zone. you got to play him in a conventional strong safety position, or you got to put 15, 20 pounds on him and turn him a linebacker. Not very quick, more of a long strider, average ball skills. Uh, you know, I— People question why he came out. I mean, I don't know that he was going to get that much faster. So I just think that the hype does not meet the actual reality on the field for Jaron Curse.
0: Uh, Darian Thompson, the safety from Boise. I know you were reporting that some people were seeing him as high as round one a couple months ago. Uh, hype train seems to have died down a little bit I uh, poor combine, what, what do you think is, is going on right now with Thompson?
3: Poor combine because he was sick at the combine as yeah. were a lot of guys, uh, ran relatively well during his pro day under 4-5 under 4-6 I should say in the mid four fives. I still think he's going to be a, a mid second round pick and he's gonna, he has the potential to be a start at the next level.
1: <clears throat> Talked about J. Ron Curse. his
3: teammate Clemson T.J. Green
1: is it being viewed as a safety or a corner?
3: Right now, they want to try him at a bump-and-run corner. Basically, what he is, is he's a great athlete who's a defensive back. Now, he needs a lot of work on his overall game, but he's got just tremendous athleticism. He's very physical. He's got excellent size. I think what's going to happen is they're going to try him as a bump-and-run corner first. If he doesn't, it because it's a priority position, if he can't basically cut it at that position, then they move him inside to safety. Probably one similar to what I feel with Jalen with Ramsey. Uh, you know They're going to try him at corner. If he succeeds at corner, fine. If not, they push him inside to safety.
2: And to round out the safety position, uh, same question as all the other position groups, who's kind of that wild card at this spot?
3: In my opinion, it's Devin Bush, Miami of Florida, a guy who you know is not the greatest athlete, but he's a very good football player. He's a heavy hitter, basically punishes anybody who comes over the middle of the field, holds his own in, in coverage, more of a strong safety type, but, but I think someone who uh, can see extensive playing time, if not starting potential, at the next level.
0: All right, Tony, where we are one week out from the NFL draft. What what's the big storyline, what's the big shocker that you could share with us? Is there anything on the horizon that you think uh, you know could be big that's going to affect the, the outcome of this draft?
3: Joey Boza probably falling much further than people think really? because we spoke about that earlier. I think that there were some, I don't know if you want to say skeletons in the closet, but what I heard and actually shared with you back at the Senior Bowl starting to come to fruition. Uh, I think Boza, and I mean, I like Boza. I watch his film, and I, and, and, and I think he's a very good player. But it seems more and more that what I've heard for the longest time is coming to fruition. So here's a guy who I think most people, Pandas, you know, the first player in the draft when Jalen uh, Smith went down. And all of a sudden, now all of a sudden, he can fall out of the top seven, top eight selections.
1: Phenomenal, outstanding stuff from Tony. We had him on his heels, I think, the entire time.
2: I don't think he took a breath the whole time either. No. He was just rattling off the info as fast as he could.
1: But, you know, he, he stood up to the pressure just like the number two pick will have to do in Philadelphia once the selection is made a week from Thursday. So, again, we will have our final pre-draft edition of the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA coming your way next week. Next Wednesday, will we have it.
0: Uh, yeah, it'll probably be it'll be Tuesday or Wednesday, depending on if you're looking on philadelphiaeagles. dot com or on iTunes.
1: Certainly, uh, typically in the past we've done a mock draft edition where we poll other writers and reporters and analysts from around the country. You know, we said it'd be great if you're doing it at number eight if you're picking at number eight mm-hmm. like the Eagles were just a couple of days ago. But now that the Eagles are at number two. We're not going to bring on one guy or one, <laughs> one girl for a mock draft podcast. So uh, we will just go in-depth on the options there for the Eagles as a number two pick and see what the Eagles could do, maybe take a focus on the later rounds and see who could be some potential targets there for Philadelphia. So for Fran Duffy and Alex Smith, I'm Chris McPherson. You have been listening to the Journey into the Draft podcast presented by AAA.